0: My name is Scott Challoner, and this is the Leaders' Council podcast. As we sit here and record this here in the UK capital, the Ukraine is under attack. The ongoing invasion from Russian forces has culminated in a severe humanitarian crisis in Europe with refugees fleeing westward, and the crisis has seen a number of charitable organisations, governments, and individuals step in and help with donations of critical supplies to civilians that have been affected. And today on the podcast, we're joined by Jim Gildy director and response team leader at Total Trauma Cleaning, who has just completed his own mission to the Ukrainian border. Um, As part of a small convoy arranged by Jacobs Well Care Centre, a charity from Gosport in Hampshire, Jim helped deliver key supplies into the war-torn country via its border with Romania in what was a 1,600-mile drive just to get there. Uh, Jim, very warm welcome and to you, and thank you so much for joining us on the show today.
1: Hi, Scott, and uh, glad to be back on the show.
0: Yeah, it's fantastic welcoming you back, Jim, and a very different subject, of course, to what we discussed before. Yeah, Um, of course, yeah. Now, obviously, when we're faced with a humanitarian crisis, I suppose in some ways we all feel compelled to help, but it's obviously very different feeling like you know you should do something to help and then actually going and doing something so in your own words what was it that really made you determine to sort of take the plunge and think you know what i'm going to make that drive i'm going to go across the continent and i'm going to get these supplies to those people that need it
1: um well to be honest there wasn't a lot of thought in this this was uh quite this was an impulsive move on my part i'd just been on holiday um south america and if you remember we spoke before i went to south america and two years ago this february i come home and was straight into the covid situation yeah. on this one i'll um i felt able to go back to south america on holiday and do my motorcycle on holiday um around Colombia. and i flew back in i went on friday um friday before last and I got it back about eight o'clock in the evening. I was up for work at uh, six o'clock next morning. I wanted to do some COVID work with the local council. And after that, I stopped in to see um, uh, a colleague of mine that owns and runs the charity in Gospel. I'd, he- I'd heard and seen in the local news that they were basically collecting donations. And I suspected they was going to be overrun, and really busy, and just had to be passing. And I went in there. And I stopped to see them, and they were absolutely overrun with donations, and they were just about to set off the next day, or this being Saturday morning, they was about to set off on Sunday, stroke Monday, for the Romanian-Ukrainian border. And at that time, they had one vehicle definitely going, a possible second one, and a possible HEV. And they had tons and tons and tons of donations, um, and donations being delivered left, right, and center when I was actually on site. So, um, as I'd just come back from holiday, I had staff in place to run my business already. It'd be running for a couple of weeks without me being there. Mm. And everything was geared up. And I hadn't sort of got myself sorted out. Um, it's just supposed to be here. I said, Do you need another van and driver? I've got one free at the moment. Obviously, because it'd been parked up at my um, offices without use for a couple of weeks. And so I, you know, I just offered my assistance and off we went. I asked what I needed. And it was, You need your passport. And that was it. Um, obviously we took the change closed bits and pieces. I went back in the made sure the van was fueled up and ready and uh, got it back down to Joe to our Charity and we loaded it up the next day and we was off Monday. There wasn't it wasn't it wasn't a lot of thought about the humanitarian crisis It it, mm. it was it was more from my part. It was um seeing the charity that I have worked with here and there for years and knew on a personal basis, seeing them overrun and wind and um helping them out. Rather, rather than anything else at the time, uh, purely because I was in a position that I could.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And obviously, when you started on that very long journey, what was it actually like sort of getting across to the Ukrainian border? Because it was minus four degrees C when you actually arrived there with um, on the border with Romania. So I can imagine you sort of had to battle through some sort of real cold conditions along the way.
1: Well, on the way we went. um, The way we went was we went through France, Belgium, Germany, Austria, Hungary, and Romania up to the Ukrainian border. Um, We the driving was fine. I had a co-driver with me um, on the way over there, and we basically we took in turns. We did we stopped I think for about two hours, um, a one point rest, and we just carried on driving. It took us a few days to get there. Because when, you know the vehicles were all fully loaded, um, and so we had to keep the speed limits. With you know, and we all had heavy weight on the vehicles, or as much as we could carry in the way of aid. We had brief stop at um, Austria. Uh, the Austrian customs uh, they went through our paperwork and they wanted to check our cargo. That took a couple of hours at that point, and pretty much plain sailing. Now, when we got obviously when we got across the um, Romanian border. Then the situation started to change a little bit. The roads aren't as good. um, The lighting isn't as good. Everything changed. We weren't allowed to use euros, which really surprised me. Hmm. So I had to change the money up as soon as we got across the border there into the local Romanian currency. And as night fell, we was going up into the Carpathian Mountains. Now, a very picturesque. Um, obviously, it got it was snowy. It got icy. It got down onto the night we arrived to around about minus four when we was unloading. Now the last couple of kilometres um, to the actual camp or reception centre, I should say. What it, the actual the actual uh, camp we went to was about a kilometre and a half between a kilometre and a kilometre and a half in the border in a wooded area. It had previously been used as um, as a summer camp for children. And there was no actual road for the last maybe kilometre, two kilometres. It was actually a dirt track. Um, it wouldn't be possible to get bigger vehicles up there. The the bigger vehicles have to be unloaded onto smaller vehicles and ferried right up to the last, for the last kilometre or so. Anyway, so when we got up, when we actually got there, we got about a kilometre, kilometre and a half from the actual camp, stroke perception centre and some of the uh, team up there that was already on site come down to meet us and show us the way. Um, and we got up there and it was a, stra- a straight way. It was a case of unloading the first van, pulling it up to what had been the reception. And we just started offloading all the gear one, one vehicle at a time. It did, actually, it did actually go down to, I believe that night, it went down to minus 10 um, mm. later on in the night. So it's very cold conditions up there. So it's, it's, you've got a wooded area. And then you've got the actual Ukrainian border crossing um, with a river uh, going across that. And I believe, you know, some people are so desperate to get out of Ukraine, they're actually trying to come across the river in those conditions with hypothermia and all sorts of other things. Um, and as I was told up there, not all of them make it alive. So it's um it's quite... It's it's difficult to take in, actually, because mm. you've been there. I was, I was there just to lend assistance uh, to... Um, an organisation that I'd worked with, rather than thinking about what I was actually doing, I was assisting them. Um, but when you actually see it and take part in it, it's still difficult to, it's still difficult to comprehend that people are coming across that border, and it's a, a matter of life and death, and people are coming across that border in the clothes that they stand up in. I mean, there's actually, mm. we got introduced, or I got introduced to a couple of guys up there with their security tags on. And gear, and their, their main function at the camp was to go out to, um, through the woods to, towards the border crossing and just patrol up and down uh, about half a kilometre each side of the border crossing, picking up stragglers and picking up people who just didn't know where they was going, that made it across one way or another and bring them back to the camp. Uh, and, uh, and so you had people turning up there that had absolute just the clothes and sometimes the actual wet freezing clothes they were stood in.
0: Mm.
1: So that's, um, it's quite even being there and seeing it, it doesn't sort of hit home that that's reality. It's some people's reality. It's not mine, but it's some people's and it's, it's hard to actually take it on board.
0: Mm. It is difficult, isn't it? When you sort of get to that final destination and you realize that, you know, this is a scene of, real human tragedy and it is a war zone that's just over the border and it's very serious stuff going on out there i mean that sort of does start to dawn on you a bit doesn't it
1: yes yes certainly it does well i would say though is everyone that i met there was certainly in good spirits um the lads the ukrainian and romanian lads and refugees that were helping us unload the vans into the storage areas they was all in very good spirits so we was we was most welcome there um uh, we were greeted we, after we unloaded all the vans, we've taken on a tour of the place. We was uh we had a lovely hot meal with the with a guy who owned the the property there and the administrator and his wife. Um so it it was all really good positive stuff. I mean, since since coming back, uh it was discussed on the night, but since coming back it's now transpired that from that particular reception centre they're now running vehicles across the Ukrainian border into Ukraine to offload supplies for the refugees on the other side of the border at a local church Mm. and then they're picking up a van full of refugees underneath um, under a Red Cross banner to bring them back out again Um, which is that started I believe a day or so after we'd um, we'd left the property left the reception centre It
0: must sort of give you an immense sense of accomplishment that what you've done there putting in that immense amount of effort is going to positively impact the lives of so many people that are in need
1: well i'm very glad i'm very glad i have done it i mean all i've given though really is i give seven or eight days out of my life to a very worthwhile cause whether it's whether it's thinking about the refugees or thinking about the charity that um I've been working with, and the people there I've got to know, and I've just helped out, basically. I mean, the other thing I did do as well, um, the cargo and supplies had to be sanitised and certified that they was all disinfected prior prior to um, taking into the camp. Um, and that is my remit. And I took a load of, you know, what I took a load of supplies for what I do: sanitizer, wipes, um, sprayers. And I also showed the administrator how to use all, all the equipment, the gear, for what it's for for COVID and infection prevention control. So I've kicked them out up there for that to use that on an ongoing basis. Um, which is, you know, which is good to bring my skills actually up to the front line, as it were, and and put the stuff I use in place up mm. there. I'm quite I'm quite proud that that's, you know, that continues and that will continue to make a difference. And yeah, I'm I'm really glad I've done it. Uh, whether I'll go back or not, I mean, that's open. I might do. Um, depends depends on the situation presented itself where I can do that and still run my business and bits and pieces and it all fits together as it did. A couple of weeks ago when I left all this it just happened it was just spur of the moment and it all printed together in my head yes I can do that there's no reason why I can't let's just do it
0: yeah fantastic yeah. um I was going to ask actually I mean would you actually do it all again having gone there and done it that first time but of course you just answered that question and uh, you mentioned as well if it's practical sort of me able to do that and effectively run your own business and I guess it's sort of going to be a real kind of change of emphasis, isn't it? Going from that incredible journey that you've been on to then going back to sort of the day-to-day running of things behind the scenes. Um, is that something that you're looking forward to?
1: Well, I'm back at work now, but yeah. um, even even um, on the travel up to, up to the Ukrainian border and back, I was still running my business by phone and by email. Um, so I've still managed to get all the work done that come in at that same amount of time. Um yeah, it doesn't get in the way. When you when you run a small business or you run a business, you never step away from it, no matter where you are in the world. So that's really, that's really not an issue. Um, as far as back, I I say, if I was going back there, what would say? If I actually physically go back there, um, I would I would do that off my own back, uh, and i will do it slightly differently. And we had done before, but yeah, I see no reason why why I wouldn't. And a couple of my associates have asked if we go back whether they can co-drive with me. So it's something we'll look at, and you know, for next month, you know, if the situation develops where they need van drivers over there, they need van drivers over there to go take supplies over the border and bring people out. Then again, that's something I haven't done yet, and it's one step further, and something I'll consider doing.
0: Do you think that as a country? we're sort of doing as much as we could be to kind of aid this sort of worthwhile cause that you've talked about and sort of help these Ukrainian people?
1: I think on a personal level, the 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 response in my local area and the response about my friends and people I talk to is different from any sort of humanitarian tragedy. Mm. Um, and... With it's associated to pills that have come before. For some reason, this is completely different, and the response is completely different on um, hands or on the ground level, on a governmental level. It's such a complicated issue that I don't think I'm qualified to answer that one. I mean, mm. the ins and outs of it, if, you know, if we get too involved, if you push Putin too far, what his response might be, whether, you know, he's quoted as saying before, if there is no Russia, there might as well be no planet. I mean, could that mean if there's no Putin? Could there there might as well be no planet if Putin doesn't get his way? Well, you know, is there going to be? You know, there might as well be no planet. It's a. It's not for me to say that. It's a very. I think it's a very hard question to call for everyone. Um, there's also other considerations that, um, been, or have become apparent on the on the way back. I was actually stopped at the Romanian Hungarian border for 14 hours. Now, that was because they're going through intensive checks on people exiting Romania because the people of Ukraine that are exiting um, mostly have not got passports, and ID cards, and so they're trying to identify and make sure they can identify correctly the people leaving Ukraine so you do not get people slipping out that, um, let's say, are undesirable in the European community Mm. for one reason or another. And it's, it's made it, it's made it from what I can gather through talking and literally asking why the hold up is 14 hours, and we're human for 14 hours to get through. And this was the expl- explanation given to me because it's so hard now. You know, so many people exiting Ukraine um, to verify the identity of those leaving. You know, there's all sorts of logistical problems that some are mm-hmm. some are um, discussed more than others. Um, so I think I think the man on the ground, people on the ground are doing everything they can and more, probably more than um, any other response to anything I've known on a governmental level. I think there's a, a hell of a lot to consider in all sorts of ways, and there's things that aren't, you know, predominantly, um, you know, that come out on the news that certainly the, the average people are um, aware of.
0: Yeah, there's a lot to consider, isn't there? And it does go far beyond Ukraine now. I think you're absolutely right in saying that. And just before we we wrap up, Jim, um, you've of course built up a successful business. You've had some incredible experience, of course, dealing with the uh, the pandemic, of course, in uh, the business life cycle. But would you rank this journey that you've completed as probably the best thing that you've ever done? Your greatest achievement?
1: Yes, uh, as a spontaneous act. Yes, um, undoubtedly. I mean, I'm particularly proud of the way we took on the COVID nineteen um response when the pandemic initially hit and and that's been a long-going thing and i'm proud to say our team's um been infection free all the way through from covid 19 or indeed anything else and i'm particularly proud of that but this is slightly different this is um, a spontaneous response with with instant results with literally getting in a van driving from a to b across europe and putting the aid in the hands of the people who need it. Yes, it's the best thing I've ever done. It's something it's something that gives you immense satisfaction, um, and uh, for, forget about personal satisfaction, it's instant results for helping people. You know, the team that went over with me, or I went over with them rather, you know, with, you know instant aid for the people who needed it. With, you know, sometimes there's concern that when you give to charity, um, how much of the pounds or pence per pound gets down to those on the ground, the people who need it, and in what form and how long it takes. And on this occasion, literally the donations were loaded, they were transported, and they were given, and there was nothing in the way. Um, so 100% of what was given got there. So, yeah, I'm particularly proud of that. And uh, it's an experience that you know I might possibly repeat, and I'm very glad to have taken part in.
0: Yeah, absolutely, Jim. It's an incredible thing uh, that you've uh, done um, as part of Jacobs World Care Centre there. So an incredible uh, good luck as well in future if you ever do make that mission again. And best of luck as well in uh, sort of getting back to the day to day and sort of running the business over the next few months as well. And like I say, it'd be good to sort of keep tabs on how that's going. And like I say, if you're going to be going on another big mission anytime soon, it would be fantastic to, uh, to even review that in future as well
1: yeah okay yeah no problem at all It'd be you know anytime I do go in the future I'll let
0: you know that'd be fantastic and for anybody as well tuning in that may sort of be interested in the work of uh, Jacobs Well Care Centre there is a website there Center or one word uk if you are interested in uh, finding out more and even donating uh, to the, uh, the cause as well uh, Jim well uh, thank you ever so much for joining us again on the, uh, the podcast today and by all means do take care and do stay safe with all still going on
1: thank you very much
0: thank you It was an incredible and most sobering experience welcoming Jim Gildy from Total Trauma Cleaning onto today's programme to discuss his mission to Ukraine and the humanitarian aid that he has helped provide alongside Jacobs Well Care Centre to those people that are in so much need at this most trying time. You have been listening to the Leaders' Council podcast with your host, Scott Chaloner. Until next time, take care and goodbye.